story two of the bet and other stories by anton chekhov this librivox recording is in the public domain story two a tedious story from an old man's journal part five there sometimes come fearful nights with thunder lightning rain and wind which the peasants call sparrow nights there was one such sparrow night in my own personal life i wake after midnight and suddenly leap out of bed somehow it seems to me that i am going to die immediately i do not know why for there is no single sensation in my body which points to a quick end but a terror presses on my soul as though i had suddenly seen a huge ill-boding fire in the sky i light the lamp quickly and drink some water straight out of the decanter then i hurry to the window the weather is magnificent the air smells of hay and some delicious thing besides i see the spikes of my garden fence the sleepy starveling trees by the window the road the dark strip of forest there is a calm and brilliant moon in the sky and not a single cloud serenity not a leaf stirs to me it seems that everything is looking at me and listening for me to die dread seizes me i shut the window and run to the bed i feel for my pulse i cannot find it in my wrist i seek it in my temples my chin my hand again they are all cold and slippery with sweat my breathing comes quicker and quicker my body trembles all my bowels are stirred and my face and forehead feel as though a cobweb had settled on them what shall i do shall i call my family no use i do not know what my wife and liza will do when they come in to me i hide my head under the pillow shut my eyes and wait wait my spine is cold it almost contracts within me and i feel that death will approach me only from behind very quietly kivi kivi a squeak sounds in the stillness of the night i do not know whether it is in my heart or in the street god how awful i would drink some more water but now i dread opening my eyes and fear to raise my head the terror is unaccountable animal i cannot understand why i am afraid is it because i want to live or because a new and unknown pain awaits me upstairs above the ceiling a moan then a laugh i listen a little after steps sound on the staircase someone hurries down then up again in a minute steps sound downstairs again someone stops by my door and listens who's there i call the door opens i open my eyes boldly and see my wife her face is pale and her eyes red with weeping you're not asleep nikolai stepanovich she says what is it for god's sake go down to liza something is wrong with her very well with pleasure i murmur very glad that i am not alone very well immediately as i follow my wife i hear what she tells me and from agitation understand not a word bright spots from her candle dance over the steps of the stairs our long shadows tremble my feet catch in the skirts of my dressing-gown my breath goes and it seems to me that someone is chasing me trying to seize my back i shall die here on the staircase this second i think this second 
but we have passed the staircase the dark hall with the italian window and we go into liza's room she sits in bed in her chemise her bare legs hang down and she moans oh my god oh my god she murmurs half shutting her eyes from her candles i can't i can't liza my child i say what's the matter seeing me she calls out and falls on my neck papa darling she sobs papa dearest my sweet i don't know what it is it, it, it hurts she embraces me kisses me and lisps endearments which i heard her lisp when she was still a baby be calm my child god's with you i say you mustn't cry something hurts me too i try to cover her with the bedclothes my wife gives her to drink and both of us jostle in confusion round the bed my shoulders push into hers and at that moment i remember how we used to bathe our children but help her help her my wife implores do something and what can i do nothing there is some weight on the girl's soul but i understand nothing know nothing and can only murmur it's nothing um, nothing it will pass sleep sleep as if on purpose a dog suddenly howls in the yard at first low and irresolute then loud in two voices i never put any value on such signs as dogs whining or screeching owls but now my heart contracts painfully and i hasten to explain the howling nonsense i think it's the influence of one organism on another my great nervous strain was transmitted to my wife to liza and to the dog that's all such transmissions explain presentiments and previsions a little later when i return to my room to write a prescription for liza i no longer think that i shall die soon my soul simply feels heavy and dull so that i am even sad that i did not die suddenly for a long while i stand motionless in the middle of the room pondering what i shall prescribe for liza but the moans above the ceiling are silent and i decide not to write a prescription but stand there still there is a dead silence a silence as one man wrote that rings in one's ears the time goes slowly the bars of moonlight on the window-sill do not move from their place as though congealed the dawn is still far away but the garden gate creaks some one steals in and strips a twig from the starveling trees and cautiously knocks with it on my window nikolai stepanovitch i hear a whisper nikolai stepanovitch i open the window and i think that i am dreaming under the window close against the wall stands a woman in a blade dress she is brightly lighted by the moon and looks at me with wide eyes her face is pale stern and fantastic in the moon like marble her chin trembles it is i she says i katie in the moon all women's eyes are big and black people are taller and paler probably that is the reason why i did not recognize her in the first moment what's the matter forgive me she says i suddenly felt so dreary i could not bear it so i came here there's a light in your window and i decided to knock forgive me oh if you knew how dreary i felt what are you doing now nothing insomnia her eyebrows lift 
her eyes shine with tears and all her face is illumined as with light with the familiar but long unseen look of confidence nikolai stepanovitch she says imploringly stretching out both her hands to me dear i beg you i implore if you do not despise my friendship and my respect for you then do what i implore you what is it take my money what next what's the good of your money to me you will go somewhere to be cured you must cure yourself you will take it yes dear yes she looks into my face eagerly and repeats yes you will take it no my dear i won't take it i say thank you she turns her back to me and lowers her head probably the tone of my refusal would not allow any further talk of money go home to sleep i say i'll see you to-morrow it means you don't consider me your friend she asks sadly i don't say that but your money is no good to me forgive me she says lowering her voice by a full octave i understand you to be obliged to a person like me a retired actress but good-bye and she walks away so quickly that i have no time even to say good-bye part six i am in kharkov since it would be useless to fight against my present mood and i have no power to do it i made up my mind that the last days of my life shall be irreproachable on the formal side if i am not right with my family which i certainly admit i will try at least to do as it wishes besides i am lately become so indifferent that it's positively all the same to me whether i go to kharkov or paris or Birdyshev i arrived here at noon and put up at a hotel not far from the cathedral the train made me giddy the draughts blew through me and now i am sitting on the bed with my head in my hands waiting for the tick i ought to go to my professor friends to-day but i have neither the will nor the strength the old hall porter comes in to ask whether i have brought my own bedclothes i keep him about five minutes asking him questions about necker on whose account i came here the porter happens to be kharkov born and knows the town inside out but he doesn't remember any family with the name of necker i inquire about the estate the answer is the same the clock in the passage strikes one two three the last months of my life while i wait for death seems to me far longer than my whole life never before could i reconcile myself to the slowness of time as i can now before when i had to wait for a train at the station or to sit at an examination a quarter of an hour would seem an eternity now i can sit motionless in bed the whole night long quite calmly thinking that there will be the same long colourless night to-morrow and the next day in the passage the clock strikes five six seven it grows dark there is dull pain in my cheek the beginning of the tick to occupy myself with thoughts i return to my old point of view when i was not indifferent and ask why do i a famous man a privy councillor sit in this little room on this bed with a strange grey blanket 
why do i look at this cheap tin washstand and listen to the wretched clock jarring in the passage is all this worthy of my fame and my high position among people and i answer these questions with a smile my naivete seems funny to me the naivete with which as a young man i exaggerated the value of fame and of the exclusive position which famous men enjoy i am famous my name is spoken with reverence my portrait has appeared in niva and in the universal illustration i've even read my biography in a german paper but what of that i sit lonely by myself in a strange city on a strange bed rubbing my aching cheek with my palm family scandals the hardness of creditors the rudeness of railway men the discomforts of the passport system the expensive and unwholesome food at the buffets the general coarseness and roughness of people all this and a great deal more that would take too long to put down concerns me as much as it concerns any bourgeois who is known only in his own little street where is the exclusiveness of my position then we will admit that i am infinitely famous that i am a hero of whom my country is proud all the newspapers give bulletins of my illness the post is already bringing in sympathetic addresses from my friends my pupils and the public but all this will not save me from dying in anguish on a stranger's bed in utter loneliness of course there is no one to blame for this but i must confess that i do not like my popularity i feel that it has deceived me at about ten i fall asleep and in spite of the tick sleep soundly and would sleep for a long while were i not awakened just after one there is a sudden knock on my door who's there a telegram you could have brought it in to-morrow i storm as i take the telegram from the porter now i shan't sleep again i'm sorry there was a light in your room i thought you were not asleep i open the telegram and look first at the signature my wife's what does she want necker married eliza secretly yesterday return i read the telegram for a long while i am not startled not necker's nor liza's action frightens me but the indifference with which i receive the news of their marriage men say that philosophers and true savants are indifferent it is untrue indifference is the paralysis of the soul premature death i go to bed again and begin to ponder with what thoughts i can occupy myself what on earth shall i think of i seem to have thought over everything and now there is nothing powerful enough to rouse my thought when the day begins to dawn i sit in bed clasping my knees and for want of occupation i try to know myself know yourself is good useful advice but it is a pity that the ancients did not think of showing us the way to avail ourselves of it before when i had the desire to understand somebody else or myself i used not to take into consideration actions wherein everything is conditional but desires tell me what you want and i will tell you what you are and now i examine myself what do i want 
i want our wives children friends and pupils to love in us not the name or the firm or the label but the ordinary human beings what besides i should like to have assistants and successors what more i should like to wake in a hundred years time and take a look if only with one eye at what has happened to science i should like to live ten years more what further nothing further i think think a long while and cannot make out anything else however much i were to think wherever my thoughts should stray it is clear to me that the chief all-important something is lacking in my desires in my infatuation for science my desire to live my sitting here on a strange bed my yearning to know myself in all the thoughts feelings and ideas i form about anything there is wanting the something universal which could bind all these together in one whole each feeling and thought lives detached in me and in all my opinions about science the theatre literature and my pupils and in all the little pictures which my imagination paints not even the most cunning analyst will discover what is called the general idea or the god of the living man and if this is not there then nothing is there in poverty such as this a serious infirmity fear of death influence of circumstances and people would have been enough to overthrow and shatter all that i formerly considered as my conception of the world and all wherein i saw the meaning and joy of my life therefore it is nothing strange that i have darkened the last months of my life by thoughts and feelings worthy of a slave or a savage and that i am now indifferent and do not notice the dawn if there is lacking in a man that which is higher and stronger than all outside influences then verily a good cold in the head is enough to upset his balance and to make him see each bird an owl and hear a dog's whine in every sound and all this pessimism or his optimism with their attendant thoughts great and small seem then to be merely symptoms and no more i am beaten then it is no good going on thinking no good talking i shall sit and wait in silence for what will come in the morning the porter brings me tea and the local paper mechanically i read the advertisements on the first page the leader the extracts from newspapers and magazines the local news among other things i find in the local news an item like this our famous scholar emeritus professor nikolai stepanovitch arrived in kharkov yesterday by the express and stayed at blank hotel evidently big names are created to live detached from those who bear them now my name walks in kharkov undisturbed in some three months it will shine as bright as the sun itself inscribed in letters of gold on my tombstone at a time when i myself will be under the sod a faint knock at the door somebody wants me who's there come in the door opens i step back in astonishment and hasten to pull my dressing-gown together before me stands katie how do you do she says panting from running up the stairs you didn't expect me i've come too she sits down and continues stammering and looking away from me 
why don't you say good morning i arrived too to-day i found out you were at this hotel and came to see you well, i'm delighted to see you i say shrugging my shoulders but i'm surprised you might have dropped straight from heaven what are you doing here i i just came silence suddenly she gets up impetuously and comes over to me nikolai stepanovitch she says growing pale and pressing her hands to her breast nikolai stepanovitch i can't go on like this any longer i can't for god's sake tell me now immediately what shall i do tell me what shall i do what can i say i am beaten i can say nothing but tell me i implore you she continues out of breath and trembling all over her body i swear to you i can't go on like this any longer i haven't the strength she drops into a chair and begins to sob she throws her head back wrings her hands stamps with her feet her hat falls from her head and dangles by its string her hair is loosened help me help she implores i can't bear it any more she takes a handkerchief out of her little travelling bag and with it pulls out some letters which fall from her knees to the floor i pick them up from the floor and recognize on one of them mikhail fyodorovitch's handwriting and accidentally read part of a word passionate there's nothing that i can say to you katie i say help me she sobs seizing my hand and kissing it you're my father my only friend you're wise and learned and you've lived long you were a teacher tell me what to do i am bewildered and surprised stirred by her sobbing and i can hardly stand upright let's have some breakfast katie i say with a constrained smile instantly i add in a sinking voice i shall be dead soon katie only one word only one word she weeps and stretches out her hands to me what shall i do you're a queer thing really i murmur i can't understand it such a clever woman and suddenly weeping come silence katie arranges her hair puts on her hat then crumples her letters and stuffs them in her little bag all in silence and unhurried her face her bosom and her gloves are wet with tears but her expression is dry already stern i look at her and am ashamed that i am happier than she it was but a little while before my death in the ebb of my life that i noticed in myself the absence of what our friends the philosophers call the general idea but this poor thing's soul has never known and never will know shelter all her life all her life katie let's have breakfast i say no thank you she answers coldly one minute more passes in silence i don't like kharkov i say it's too grey a grey city yes ugly i'm not here for long on my way i leave to-day for where for the crimea i mean the caucasus so for long i don't know katie gets up and gives me her hand with a cold smile looking away from me i would like to ask her that means you won't be at my funeral but she does not look at me her hand is cold and like a stranger's i escort her to the door in silence she goes out of my room and walks down the long passage without looking back 
she knows that my eyes are following her and probably on the landing she will look back no she did not look back the black dress showed for the last time her steps were stilled good-bye my treasure end of story two